We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep podcast. I'm Kane Pittman, joined by Ty Windish, as always. And while the NBA Finals continue to roll on Game 5 tonight, we're not going to talk about that because we don't really care. We're talking about the Bucks offseason, which uh, is starting to heat up, Ty. Yeah, it sure is. Um, we, uh, we have one signing already in the books. It's for John Horst, not a player, but still, it's an exciting thing, and getting closer to uh, the draft, which we'll talk about a little later this week. And obviously, a lot of questions that are very difficult to answer that the aforementioned John Horace will have to answer once free agency opens on July 1. Yeah, three-year extension for John Horst, uh, two years in the job for him so far. And I, I think when you look at the way that the Bucks uh, sort of transformed their roster, the way that uh, Horst was able to free up as much, I guess, uh, cap space as possible considering uh, some of the deals the Bucks had on, on their books with, with Della Vadova, uh, John Hansen, just, just to name a couple of those. Still a couple of questionable ones on, on, the, uh, on the record books there at the moment. But I think, as I said, when you, know, you look at where the Bucks went from and, and including the signing of, of Budenholzer, bringing in Eric Bledsoe, uh, you know, just p- putting this te- team together as a whole, I-, I think the extension was, I mean, probably a no-brainer at this point. Yeah, I-, I would agree with you. I mean, anytime you have an executive who's up for executive of the year, I think, I don't know if I've seen really strong reporting or sentiment on it either way. I don't know if this is one people get too fired up about, up about, I should say. But uh, from what I've read, like from Woj and others, it seems like, uh, Horst has at least a good chance to take that home this year. So either way, I mean, a guy certainly in the running, one of the final three finishers for that award. Obviously, you want to lock that guy down. I mean, executives don't count toward the salary cap. So, I mean, 
honestly pay him as much as you want as long as it doesn't dissuade you from from writing other checks bucks ownership group so yeah i mean it's uh as you said no brainer he's made a lot of good moves so far he's got an endearing nickname from bucks fans i mean honestly we talk about the the person sort of making the moves for the franchise you can't ask for too much more than what john horse has done so far yeah and i think the big thing is as i sort of already touched on with some of those trades during the year I mean, the Bucks were going to be good. I mean, I know when you, you look at, um, you know, obviously what uh, George Hill brought to the table on the court and, and Miritich at times during the regular season, earlier in the playoffs, obviously the team improved with some of those moves, but uh, they were going to be good anyway. I mean, if if you do leave, you know, Delivered over or Henson on the team, the Bucks are still going to be good. They're still led. The, the top end of the team remained the same, but... To not only rest on that and say, okay, well, we're we're in line to have one of the best seasons we've had in in thirty years. He continued to work and continued to make moves that are going to ensure that the Bucks are in a position uh, to contend, not only this season as they did, but moving forward into next year and give them a chance uh, to bring uh, you know the bulk of this team back, which is something that we are continuing to discuss on 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 the podcast. But yeah, I mean. Obviously, a, a, a signing at the time where, I mean, he's a young guy. He's only 36 years old now, been in the, in the job for a couple of seasons. So this was a signing that I think people in general were a little bit unsure of. But, uh, you know, he, he really hasn't made too many bad moves. Uh, and, and this goes right back, as I said. Yeah, obviously, the Bledsoe trade has worked out for the Bucks. Uh, you know, the extension will continue to analyze that over the next couple of years. But the Bledsoe deal was a big one. I already mentioned the Delivered Over and Henson contract getting out of those. Not signing Jabari Parker was another big one. Bringing in Bud, I mean, he, he a number of moves. Uh, picking up the, the option on DJ Wilson, which a lot of people questioned. I mean, he's uh, he's had a hell of a hell of a 12 months. Yeah, he has. And I think one of the things that I sort of look at with this as, you know, we in, in inevitably start to hear more and more about Giannis potentially leaving or whatever else from all sorts of different sources is, you know, you mentioned it. I think you nailed it. You have a team with Giannis, Chris Middleton, some of these other guys, you know, they're going to be pretty dang good no matter what, especially once you bring in Mike Budenholzer. But I think, you know, and I, I don't have any reporting. I certainly haven't asked Giannis about this, but my assumption would be a, a guy like Giannis, who always strives to be better, even though he's already obviously very good. We'll look at John Horst doing sort of the same thing for the the roster that he's tasked with building, sort of constantly trying to, you know, add something to it, not resting on the laurels, you know, pulling off the Nico deal at the sort of last second there at the trade deadline after adding George Hill, after all the free agents, everything else. I think it would I think it would come off as a big positive for Giannis to see that, you know, this isn't someone running the team who's content with just, oh, you know, we'll make the playoffs. Should make the second round no matter what. We got Giannis here. We got Chris. We'll be fine. It's pretty clear. It felt pretty clear all year. The Bucks from the top down were all focused on getting to the very highest of levels, and they weren't sort of holding anything back from that. And I think that's just a, a really positive thing for players both in and out of the organization to see. I think I don't think anybody really has a desire to end up on a franchise that isn't all in on winning, and, unless obviously they're getting a whole lot of money, which – I mean, who doesn't want that? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I mean, that's 100% right for mine because, you know, when, when you, you know, for us, I guess, talking to Giannis through the season, uh, it, it's interesting. It's always interesting with Giannis because you know that this guy is so loyal. Uh, you know, he builds relationships with people. 
and then potentially doesn't want to let those relationships go. You think about, you know, obviously the stuff that came out with Jason Kidd, which whatever. Clearly Giannis got over that very quickly because above all else, he wants to win. And, you know, when I think about uh, the relationship that uh, Giannis had with both the Australians on the roster, Delhi, he still says to this day, best teammate he's ever had. Was he really upset about the fact that Delhi left for longer than a couple of days once he realized that George Hill was in and going to be a, a real contributor and not only uh, be a contributor on the court but free up room for the Bucks to get better in the summer? No, he didn't care. Same with Thumb Maker. Everyone knows, one of his best friends on the roster. Yeah, sure. He says it was weird to play against him. It felt weird that he wasn't in the locker room anymore. But they brought in a guy, Nico Miritich, who Giannis knows at that point in time was going to bring more to the Bucks than Thumb Maker was. So, you know, I think that, as I said, you're 100% right because the worst thing you can do is just sit back and let things play out with, with the situation with Giannis. Yes, Giannis loves Milwaukee. Yes, I do think he is going to sign long-term uh, with the Bucks, but you need to make sure as a franchise you are continuing to show him that you're doing whatever you can uh, to get better and not just think, well, yeah, we won 60 games this year. We're going to be good next year. Uh, the Bucks are going to continue to get better. And, and I know from what we've seen that Horst would, would be exploring all options right now because, yeah, he just gets the extension. But in, in about two or three weeks' time, starting with the draft and then obviously free agency at the end of the month, uh, this is a, a pretty critical summer for the Bucks, not only for next year, but for what happens after that with, with Giannis. Yeah, I think uh, you know, as unfortunate as it as it may seem or kind of is, I mean, every big decision the Bucks make from here on out is going to weigh crucially on on what happens there, and you know that can seem like it's stressful or a bummer or whatever, but I mean that's the price you pay when you have one of the top, absolute top tier NBA players on your franchise, and that's just how it is now. In a way, that's kind of how it's always been. I mean, there's been player movement. I mean. You know, Bucks fans who can remember the last time the team uh, was very, very good. Well, maybe not the last time, but the last time the Bucks made the finals, sure know about that, about a, a guy, you know, sort of wanting something else. So it's it's challenging. You know, it can be exhausting to read all the reports and listen to it and all the talking heads saying he's going here, here, or here. But it's certainly worth it to to have to deal with the noise to put up with a player that good, especially one like Giannis who – as you said, has not exactly been stoking any fires about him leaving someday or anything like that. No, absolutely. But again, the one thing that I, I keep on you know, mentioning to, to people, I guess, or trying to bring up that you just cannot afford uh, to take really you know, a big step back next year. And, that, and that's why. And obviously things can happen that, that are outside what's going to yeah, the moves a horse is going to make. So obviously things can change and, and maybe you have a poor season for other reasons and, you know, health, whatever it may be. But I think if the Bucks do make some uh, bad moves or, you know, maybe they, they make put that doubt in your mind that they're willing to spend the money to, to, to uh, produce a, a winning team, then you don't know what that's going to mean for Giannis mentally. So uh, this, this summer is huge for the Bucks. We already went through uh, Nico Miritic and Malcolm Brogdon on the last episode. So today we're going to get to Brooke Lopez, a, a guy that uh, you know obviously came in on on a deal just over three million dollars. One of the most ridiculous deals we saw in the NBA this season. When you put uh, actual cost to, to value he brought to the team, and, and then we're going to get to Chris Milton, who I mean we've spoke about a lot. Everyone spoke about a lot. 
But we will just, uh, I guess, compare our thoughts on that leading up to uh, what, uh, you know, the deal that, that everyone thinks is going to shape what the Bucks do moving forward. I, I certainly feel that way with Milton. But for Lopez, I think it's, you know, I, I mentioned with Brogdon on the last episode that I thought that it was difficult to gauge his value. I think Brook Lopez is kind of the same in that regard. Uh, I mean, does a team come out and throw, uh, you know, $15 million, like a, maybe a two-year uh, two $30 million deal? Do they do that? I, I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of teams with cap space out there this summer. Yeah, and I think fortunately, sort of, this might be kind of a crowded class for the big men of the NBA. Uh, you're going to have DeMarcus Cousins for sure hit free agency and coming off, sort of coming off another injury. I mean, he's playing right now, but clearly not up to 100%. He's going to be out there. Uh, I think probably the number one target would be Nikola Vucevic, who was very good and I think it was an all-star for the first time this last year. He's going to be a free agent. Um, I can't remember... I think DeAndre Jordan is a free agent no matter what. I can't remember if he has an option or if the Knicks are just considering bringing him back or what, but there's a good chance DeAndre Jordan hits the market. I think Mark Gasol has a player option. I would expect him to take that or at the very least decline it and then stay with Toronto anyway, but he could be out there. Um, one guy who I think every single fan base has sort of slated that they're going to sign for a very cheap deal is Dwayne Dedman. He's a free agent this year. Everyone wants Dwayne Dedman to, at least be their backup center. Unfortunately, there's only one Dwayne Edmond, but I think it will help that, you know, it's not like Brooke Lopez is going to be the top priority for any teams when it comes to the center position. I think there's a lot of other guys who are going to be intriguing as well and, and offer some options there. And I think the other thing is this is kind of a mega free agent year, and a lot of the teams with cap space are planning on trying to use it on Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, etc., Clay Thompson, etc., and I mean, a guy we'll get to, Chris Middleton, is going to be a, more of a priority for teams than Lopez. So it seems to me that between the marquee free agents and some of the other big men, maybe teams with the space to throw a big deal at him might not get there right away, which could play into the Bucks' hands. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. And again, this is something, I mean, we were just talking about it before we started recording. It's certainly something we've discussed um, since the end of, of the Bucks season. But it's just so hard to predict, predict what the Bucks are going to be able to spend because there's so many moving pieces with this offseason and, and uh, you know, so many different of ways the Bucks can go through. I, I think that the, the best case scenario we're all thinking is that he does sign uh, you know, what we think is going to be a short-term deal anyway, I think that's probably the likely scenario for Brook Lopez, who will be uh, 31 years old when the season starts. Does that look right? Not quite. He's not 31 until – or he's 31 now, but he only just turned 31 in April. So not 32 uh, until near on playoff time next year. But he is a veteran guy that you think is probably past the point now where he's going to sign – uh, another lucrative deal, but for the Bucks, if you can get this guy to sign a, a deal in that seven to eight uh, million dollar range, then he's certainly someone you can bring bring back without too many too many issues. Uh, that would be a significant pay rise from what he got this year, so maybe that's an attractive option to me. Certainly, from talking to Brooke, 
and this isn't always the case with these Bucks players. And and you know, I, I think just when you talk to Lopez and ask him about his time in Milwaukee, ask him about the pending uh, you know free agency ahead. Uh, I this is a guy that I genuinely believe really, really wants to be back. And if I had to guess of anyone that was willing to uh, perhaps leave a little bit of money on the table to be in a spot where they know their role, they know they're going to maximize uh, their strengths on, on both ends of the floor, then I think Lopez is a guy that would do what it takes to come back. He was very vocal on exit interview day saying that he wants to be back. Um, and he's a smart guy. I'm sure he understands the financial situation and what that would entail if he's to come back to Milwaukee. So, you know, the Bucks, whether it's a one-year deal or, or a two-year deal, maybe, you know, as I said, seven to $8 million, I think there's definitely a chance that the Bucks can bring this guy back. I, I, I know we discussed earlier, you're not so sure about that, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of confident that they're going to do whatever they can to bring him back. Well, I, I think I'm starting to come around, honestly. Uh, it looks right now to me like the non-taxpayer mid-level exception will be somewhere right around $9 million-ish, which isn't horrible. And what Brooke could do, and this is thinking awfully far ahead, but if he took a two-year contract right now with the Bucks, after the end of that deal, he would then qualify as a free agent with bird rights because he spent three straight years in Milwaukee. And then the Bucks could go over the cap and pay him whatever they wanted to keep him within reason. So I think that could be an option. I mean, again, that's projecting a long way away for a guy who, like you said, is 31 years old and a big man at that. And I don't know. I don't think the Bucks would probably be really interested in signing a 33-year-old Brook Lopez to a long deal. But still, it's something to, to think about. Um, I don't know if he'll get enough more than $9 million annually to really want to uh, – leave as you said i mean I, I don't think there's anywhere else in his career he's fit into a team like this and i mean brooke lopez was really good this year really effective on both ends for sure just as an individual player but i think a guy as smart as brooke lopez is realizes it's a lot easier to look good when you're on a team with Giannis and chris middleton and everyone else i mean just a good all-around team I think I'm starting to come around. I think I'm really starting to see a possibility, uh, uh, maybe even strong. I don't know if I want to be that bold, but I, I am starting to see the the vision in Brook Lopez coming back for a year or two. Well, it would be a big sign, and as we said, and you know, we discussed you know potential other options. I know you just mentioned Deadman. I, I think the Bucks, yeah, regardless of what people think about him, I, I think you are taking a step back if if you introduce him instead of Lopez. We discussed Boogie Cousins on the last podcast as sort of you know, one of those pipe dream guys that maybe he fits in and, and certainly has the, the skill set to, to play that Brook Lopez role. But Lopez this year, this is the interesting thing about him. As I said, 31 years old, but he's just two seasons removed from averaging over 20 points per game, went back in Brooklyn. Uh, I, I mean, this guy, and we saw it at stretches, certainly in game one of the conference finals against Toronto where you can still get the ball down to him in the post. I mean, this guy has so much more than he was really asked to show this season, but he gets through the regular season with 187 three-point makes and 179 blocks uh, in terms of seven-footers that have over 100 blocks and 100 three-point makes in the season. He joins Dirk, uh, Carlo Anthony Towns, Kristaps Porzingis, Marc Gasol, 
and Andrea Bagnani, which is a little bit surprising to me. But uh, that, that's that's some pretty elite company, and he's by far when you when you look at uh, the three point makes, he had 187. Uh, Dirk was second on that list. He only made 151. And you're talking about you know what we know that Dirk has been through his career. I mean, Lopez for mine defensively, uh, you know, a guy that was much maligned through his career. Uh, to come out and have the impact that he did, and we discussed it quite a lot. I mean, he sh- he could have been a legitimate all-defense uh, caliber player this season, or he was an all-defense caliber player this season, didn't get the nod, mostly just because I think there's only so many Bucks guys you, you can put in those teams. But, you know, defensively really anchored this team, held them together, uh, and, and I already spoke about being an elite shot blocker. So I, I think when people think about what you lose with Brook Lopez, maybe from the outside, they think about the three-point shooting and the offense. But uh, this guy was was a true two-way player this year for the Bucks. No, I agree. I think I, I, I couldn't agree more, honestly. Brook Lopez's offense is great. I think you could certainly find someone else who could do basically what he did on that end. You know, uh, probably not the skill in the post, but – as you mentioned, I mean, the Bucs, it's not like the Bucs needed that. I mean, it helped out at times. It was great in game one, but it's not like at any point Mike Budenholzer was like, well, this is a tough game for us. Let's just post up Brook Lopez like 20 times. It just didn't happen. It didn't fit in the offense. So if you're just talking about a big guy who can run a little bit of pick and roll and shoot a ton of threes, like, yeah, you can find that now in the league. That's all over. I mean, Frank Kaminsky was a rumor way back when. I mean, sure, Frank Kaminsky could probably do that just fine. The defensive end. On the other hand, combining those things, I mean, you made the list, and that list really isn't even indicative. I mean, a lot of these guys would get the blocks, but they weren't exactly great defenders. I mean, I would say most of them. I mean, Mark Gasol is probably one of the guys who could fit in and do that really well. I don't know how long the list goes after that for guys who could hold down the defense the way Brook Lopez did while shooting that well. It's it's not a very long list. Deadman probably would be an approximation. I agree with you. I don't think he's nearly as good. So I just think if you look at the highly specific things that Brooke Lopez did for this team, it would be hard to replace him. I, I almost wonder if the Bucks would play a little differently next year if they did lose Lopez because I don't know how you find another guy who can do all those things unless Milwaukee just believes they could sort of develop someone into it more. I mean, Brooke wasn't exactly a defender of that caliber before he came here. He didn't shoot as much as he did when he was with the Bucks. Maybe the hope is you can kind of mold a guy into doing it, but I, I just it seems tough that you could create two of those guys in a row out of thin air. No, and I, I think that is again why uh, not only do the Bucks really want him back, but I think that's why Brook Lopez wants to come back because he said it specifically himself. This was the most enjoyable season of his career. He doesn't think he's been in a in, in a better position than that. And the direct quote from him on Exit Interview Day was. I'd love to come back. It's been a great home for me, so I absolutely want to be here. And that to me, and, and again, we, we know that guys can can just say this stuff and it's exit interview day. They're not going to you know throw the, the franchise on the bus and they've just had a great season with. But I really believe that. There was multiple times that I spoke to Lopez through the season that he said he's never had more fun playing basketball than he did this season in Milwaukee. He's never been in a locker room like this one in Milwaukee that we think is going to be largely back next year. So... Uh, I just think that, yeah, he, he's going to get a pay rise from what he got last year. Uh, of course he is. But I, I think that that's not going to be as important to him as maximizing his own uh, game and, and talents and skills. And secondly, winning. I mean, 
you can't underestimate. This guy was in LA last year and obviously on a bad team, a young team, whatever was going on in, in that locker room, we, we don't know in LA. But he comes to Milwaukee, he's in this stable environment, he gets a simple role on defense that, I want to say simple in terms of what he's asked to do is, is simple. He executes it to an elite level, but he's not being asked to play outside his comfort, comfort zone on defense. Uh, he gets the green light to shoot as many threes as he wants on offense. So, and and that made him a better player. It's announced today. He's in the 20-man squad for Team USA. I think so many good things have happened for Lopez. That Yes, the, as much as the Bucks want him back, I think Lopez wants to be back. And, and again, I can see them getting that deal done around that 7 to $8 million range. I would think probably a two-year deal. Maybe the second year has, has some sort of option there. But I do expect Lopez to be back. And I think he's a guy. When you look at all the free agents, maybe... He's one of the guys that would be the most difficult to replace. Oh, I think for sure. I think there's one guy who'd be more difficult. I think we'll get to him in, the, in a second. Kind of an aside here, just because you mentioned Team USA. I mean, him, Brooke Lopez, and uh, the other guy, Chris Middleton, both on that list of players who uh, will be uh, up for making the final roster that goes to compete. How about the Bucks having t- two potential Team USA guys? I feel like that historically has been a pretty decent place for players to make friends, maybe even friends with potential free agents down the line who might need a change of scenery and a new team. I mean, not the worst thing in the world for the Bucks to be well represented there if Middleton and Lopez did both make the cut. No, for sure. I will say maybe it's a good thing that uh, they're not going into they're not going into training camp too soon. Uh, because they'll already be signed, hopefully, with the Bucks by the time they get a chance to hang out with those other guys. But yeah, Lopez and Milton, uh, it's great for the Bucks. And again, uh, they will not. That this doesn't guarantee that they'll be at the World Cup. Um, they got a training camp in uh, August in Las Vegas, and they'll go through the warm up game. August seventeen is the day for Bucks fans to uh, put down on, on your notepad. Uh, August seventeen is when the Team USA final twelve man roster for the World Cup will be announced, and then a couple of days later, they're going to uh, travel to my uh, to my homeland. They're going to play a couple of games in Melbourne against uh, Australia, and then uh, head over to China for the World Cup. That's fun. It will be fun. I ho- hopefully, I'm there. It's they, they play. They're playing at uh, it's Marvel Stadium in Melbourne, which is an Australian football uh, arena. There's going to be about fifty-five to sixty thousand people at these two games. The games are already sold out uh, in Australia, and I, I, I didn't speak to Lopez about it because I guess he was probably the shock. But I certainly spoke to Milton uh, several times through the season about um, getting a chance to play for Team USA. Uh, coming back to Australia, he was in Melbourne a couple of years ago for basketball without borders, and he like anytime you mention Team USA, he, he gets a huge uh, smile on his face. This is definitely something that he wants to make. I think Milton's going to be there. I'm a little less confident that Lopez makes the final 12 man cut, but again, that's depending on who actually puts their hand up to play uh, when the time comes uh, to August and September to play in the World Cup. Yeah, and I think it. Uh... Probably isn't going to be a, a negative factor that Chris Middleton is potentially getting Team USA and did get his first all-star bid on the Milwaukee Bucks in this free agency period. But before we talk more about Lopez, you know, you mentioned having to go overseas to, you know, play in these World Cup matches, some of these players. I mean, reminds me of shipping overseas and shipping places and 
selling things online and you know getting orders out can be a real pain Kane and that's why you need ShipStation.com because it's the fastest easiest and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders no matter where you're selling Amazon, Etsy, your own website ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface also helps you get out orders quickly save money on shipping costs and keep your customers happy right now Eurostep listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when they, you, dear listener, use promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. It's no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. Because you'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. All you have to do is listen to ship or visit ShipStation.com. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. One place that makes ship happen is Harry's Razors. Everyone knows that Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure all of our listeners across the network are shaving comfortably. All you have to do to do that is go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set. And this includes your five-blade razor with the lubricating strip and trimmer blade, the rich lathering shave gel, and the travel blade cover, all included. You get all of it for just $3 shipped right to your door. That's enough with the cheap razors. We're over those. It's 2019. Those are canceled. It's the summer. You need to look good. It's totally worth trying Harry's. They fix shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for more than 95 years. You too can join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a full refund. All you have to do is go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. Do you need a, uh, you need a breather after that? You need to go get a drink? Or, uh, I've, got, I've got my sparkling water here. I think I'll make it through. All right, man. Well done again, as always. That was a super long ad raid right in the middle. It's hard for us to keep under 40 minutes when we had these double ad raids, but we got to look after the sponsors. So, Ty, as always, I always throw him under the bus and make him go through that himself. So he uh, he did a great job. But we are going to move on to Chris Middleton now. Uh, you know, when, when you think about all the free agents the Bucks have, this guy is the one that is in line to get seriously paid. <laughs> and uh, a long time coming for Chris Middleton. Honestly, you know, when you look back at his last deal, clearly it's been a bargain for the Bucks. When you think about what he's been able to contribute this year, you have an All Star on your roster getting paid around thirteen million dollars. I mean, uh, it it felt like a bargain at the time that he signed this deal, uh, and uh, I think it's certainly played out that way. So Chris Middleton in line for mine, going to get a max contract. Just a matter of where it is. I do feel like the Bucks are ready and willing uh, to pay uh, Chris Middleton whatever it takes. Uh, I spoke to John Horst and, and 
you know, I mean, I don't know if you got a chance to, to read Ty, but they did have a story for, with Horst and a number of the guys on the Bucks website. It's up there right now. Uh, there's some pretty interesting stuff from Horst in regard to what is coming up this summer in terms of paying guys. But one of the things he did say uh, is that uh, these guys, this is from John Horst, says that these guys, the free agents, including Chris Milton, know how the uh, Bucks feel about them. They know that the Bucks want them back and they know that they're ready to cut a deal uh, when the time comes. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, everyone understands that if you want to keep Chris Milton in Milwaukee, you're probably going to have to pay him a max deal. Milton said himself that at this point in time, he's going to look after his family first and then and then the fit, which to me tells me this guy's ready to get paid. He knows he's going to get paid. The market is there for a six foot eight guy that shoots the three, uh, defends at a really high level, and uh, can can create his own shot off the dribble. So, Chris Milton is the you know the textbook wing, I guess, in in the NBA in two thousand nineteen, and he's certainly hit at a, at a time where a, a bunch of teams have cap space and are going to be willing to spend it. So, I do think that Chris Milton will stay in Milwaukee. We'll be happy to stay in Milwaukee and continue on this path that he and Giannis have been on for six years now, but the Bucks are going to have to cough up the cash. Yeah, I agree. I think if it comes to it, you for sure do sign Chris Middleton to Max. If he's willing to take a little less for that fifth year that only the Bucks can provide him, then great. Uh, I think his Max for year one is going to be around $32.7 million. That's on a projected $109 million cap. So, the full max from there would be worth quite a lot. Uh, since the Bucks have Chris's full bird rights, he can make uh, 8% raises every year. And I haven't done all the calculations, mostly because the first number isn't very firm. But suffice it to say, that ends up being a whole lot of money. Probably something like $39 million annually. Maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Something like that. It's a lot over five years. Um, but I just think... Whenever you answer or ask a question, you know, how much is a guy worth in a situation like this in the NBA, you have to ask yourself, well, how can we replace him or can we replace him? And the two avenues to, or three, I suppose, to replace someone, one is, you know, either draft a guy or develop someone. The Bucks pick very low now, 30 overall. You're not going to get a Chris Middleton level player next year at that spot in the draft or honestly any spot in the draft. Rookies just aren't that good. Uh, develop someone on the team, you know, Malcolm Brogdon's a whole other conversation, maybe if they keep him, but I'd, I wouldn't expect him to be able to provide all the things Chris Middleton can provide either. They're different players, and I don't think Malcolm Brogdon is as close to as good, and I think he's very good, and there's also the injury concerns that we touched on last week there. I don't really see anyone else who's even close to providing those things on the wing. I mean, like Tony Snell and Sterling Brown are here. I'd no disrespect to those guys. Neither of them is doing any sort of Chris Middleton things. So then you look at, well, can the Bucks trade for someone? They don't really have assets. Uh, I'm doing an NBA Twitter Bucks mock draft right now with, with some guys that uh, was organized. And it's kind of boring because there's nothing to trade. I, I traded the 30th pick for Royce O'Neal just because he's a guy who can contribute. Also, not nearly as good as Chris Middleton. Um, but yeah, there's, there's not really any assets. Most of the Bucks' first-round picks are spent. They're not going to trade for a player that good. So then you can look at signing a player that good. So the Bucks could open up north of $30 million, which is about what they, were, they, they will have to give Chris Middleton. 
all they have to do to do that is renounce Middleton, Miritich, George Hill, Brooke Lopez, and Malcolm Brogdon. You can probably save like Brogdon or someone and and try to use even more draft assets to trade one of Snell or Ersan, but then you're still going to be over the cap, and really all you're doing is opening up 30-some million dollars, not enough for the highest tier free agents who probably aren't coming anyway. And by probably, I mean they're just not. So you're hoping to maybe get like Kemba Walker? Really? Is I I I don't hate Kemba Walker. I I don't know if he'd fit on the Bucks well at all. I'd much rather have Chris Middleton. So as boring as it may sound, I don't know if there's any other option that even comes close to making sense for quote unquote trying to replace Chris Middleton on this team right now. No, I totally agree. So Chris Middleton this year, obviously a first-time All-Star, uh, averages 18.3 points, uh, 6 rebounds, 4.3 assists uh, during the playoffs. That's down, pretty much the same numbers across the board. Down a little bit uh, in scoring, 16.9. He does shoot 44% from three, though. Uh, and, and again, you know, has some of the, the, the prime defensive roles. Obviously gets Kawhi Leonard in that Raptors series and keeps his shooting to low 40s and low 30s from three. So Milton was tasked with the big jobs in the playoffs. Um, the interesting thing when you look at Chris Milton's numbers, and I, I think this is something that sometimes get lost, got lost through the season when Bucks fans were frustrated about his scoring and they're like, well, you know, he's only, you know, he's having these 10-point games, 11-point games. First of all, we know that the Bucks offense is uh, geared towards uh, this equal opportunity. Guys don't get as many shots. They just simply don't rely on anyone outside of Giannis. Now, you could say, okay, then, well, why are you paying Chris Milton max? You're paying Chris Milton max because in those big games through the season, again, we saw in the fourth quarter he came up with big shots. It didn't work out the way anyone wanted in the conference finals. I totally understand that. But, again, it didn't work out well for anyone. Giannis struggled in the conference finals. That was a real learning experience for this team. The big thing is, and you touched on it, if you're willing to let an all-star player go, <laughs> first of all, I have great concerns about what happens if you let Middleton go for Giannis uh, next summer. Secondly, I just don't think that there's any way that you can be as good. As you said, you can gut the entire roster and try and get a, 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 a max player to go with Giannis, but there's no guarantee that you're going to get one. And do any of those main max guys, and you know, even someone like Clay Thompson, does anyone think that they're coming to Milwaukee? I don't. You've got a guy that's already an all-star level player that wants to be in Milwaukee. Maybe if you look strictly at the numbers, you say, that's too much for Chris Milton. It's a scary number. I totally get that. But if, when you were talking about the mid-level guys that they might be able to pick up, I'm just looking through the, the free agent list now. And these are the guys that you probably, you know, given, again, what cap space there is uh, you know, around the league this year, what guys are going to get paid, if you let Milton walk, Maybe you'll and you want to retain some of these guys, Lopez, as we already spoke about Brogdon. Then maybe you're looking at one of the Morris twins, maybe Wayne Allington, uh, Terrence Ross, uh, Danny Green, perhaps Trevor Ariza. I'm not sure, but none of those guys, yes, they can hit the three. There's some good defensive players in those numbers, but do they bring the versatility that Chris Middleton does at six eight on the wing? Able that you feel totally comfortable with him guarding a guy from Kevin Durant to a guy uh, like Kawhi Leonard. I don't think so. I don't think that you can rely on them as much as the Bucks did with Chris Milton. And to, you know, pure and simply, I just think your team gets worse next year. If anyone brings up Bojan Bogdanovic to me 
or just generally on Twitter again as a guy who can do what Chris Middleton does. Well, I purposely left him out. I just strongly advise you to watch some more basketball. And nothing against Boyan Bogdanovich, who just had the dictionary definition of a contract year. That's um, just not – it's not close defensively, and I don't think it's all that close offensively. And really, one of the things I look at with Middleton – I've been thinking about a lot during and especially after the Raptors series is I think a lot of folks felt like the Bucks could have used more of a sometimes individualistic offensive attack to switch it up a little bit when things get gummed up like Kawhi Leonard did. And, you know, uh, I think a lot of people immediately jumped from thinking that to thinking, well, who can they go get? On the other hand, I sort of thought, I think Chris Middleton could do a lot of those things if he were asked to more often. And, you know, that's a player who we've seen can go get a bucket against just about anyone. I mean, if he's got Kawhi Leonard on him, it's going to be tough. But, I mean, I think everyone's well aware that Kawhi switched on the honest at times for big stretches that, that kind of swung the series. I don't know. I think if utilizing Middleton differently and, and maybe asking him to do more of that scoring, especially when a smaller player ends up against him, you know, hunting out those mismatches with pick and rolls, working with Giannis more and things like that. I think he's one of the best guys at doing those things that you could hope to get this summer, probably the best guy considering all the other cap limitations we've already talked about. So I just, I I just don't see what else you could possibly look for that could do any of the things Chris Middleton does at a similar cost. And I mean, even if the cost is similar, it's not really because the bucks don't have to get rid of anyone to keep Chris Middleton because they have his bird rights. So I just don't think that there's any way it makes any sort of sense to get rid of him. I mean, like you said, at that point, you're getting worse. And that's the one thing the Bucks definitely can never afford to do uh, as they try to, you know, get Giannis to sign the super extension next summer is take a noticeable, obvious, uh, almost intentional step back. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think, and not all, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, the majority of Bucks, fan, Bucks fans are aware of, of, you know, how critical this summer is and, and how critical it is that the Bucks continue to be good. But, you know, I do think in some parts it's underestimated that, you know, and, and I, I see people saying, well, if what and the, you know, I'd be happy with paying Milton $20 million or $25 million. Why don't they just offer him that? And if he doesn't take it, let it go. Let him go. My, I got a real problem with that because if you are trying to show Giannis that you're doing whatever it takes to win, and and Giannis watches Chris Middleton go and sign at the Lakers or Indiana or Dallas or wherever it is, and the difference is only around five million dollars per season, and the Bucks get worse next year. I'm feeling pretty anxious as an organization about what effect that has. So I will say it's interesting to me that you touched on the fact that maybe they could have gone to Middleton a little bit more during the playoffs. And look, that was certainly a criticism of Middleton when he had the. I think it was a nine-point game there against the Raptors. And that was something that I, I asked both guys, uh, Milton and Mike Budenholzer, more than once during the playoffs. I was, because to me, I thought it was interesting. I don't know where the blame lies for that. And I will say in that one game, Milton had 10 assists, 10 rebounds. I thought overall he played a solid game. But certainly at times it does feel like Milton could be a little bit more, uh, I don't know if selfish is the right word, but he can be more aggressive. and also. Maybe the Bucks can get him the ball a little bit more. That was not something that Bud did. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not sure whether you place all that blame on Milton, if you place that blame on Budenholzer, or it goes sort of in between. But 
that's going to be something interesting for me if Middleton does come back. And just with the Bucks in general, whether Bud, uh, you know, does ride those guys a little bit more because we know Middleton, is there a better guy on, on the Bucks at creating his own shot? And, uh, you know, whether it's in the mid-range, whether it's three, is there a guy better than him? Maybe Brogdon could get to the rack. I, I'm not sure. Obviously, Giannis is, is who he is. But, yeah, Middleton is one of those guys that they potentially could have leaned on a little bit more. Um, I probably would have liked to see that. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, this is where we're at with the Bucs. Uh, for me, every time I think about anything about the Bucs offseason, it's all about Giannis and how you keep that guy happy. Again, I, t- I totally understand why, uh, you know, there are people that are concerned about giving Milton the max, but I just think those, those fears are misguided. Uh, Milton is such a good player and a guy that has gone from being underrated, uh, I mean, you know, maybe overrated within Bucks fans, I mean, sorry, to now being underrated to the people don't even appreciate what he brings on both ends of the floor and they're, they're, they're too focused on, uh, the fact that this money deal and they're trying to say, well, if he's getting a max and he needs to play like a Giannis, that's not how the cup works. That's not how this situation works for the Bucks. And the other thing that I want to say, I don't think you have any trouble trading Chris Milton. If it really does not work out in two or three years' time and, and what Milton's bringing, Milton is such a consistent player that if the Bucks are going to be good, they're probably going to have a second All-Star for the next two or three years. If you have Chris Middleton, a two-time, three-time, maybe four-time All-Star, you're going to be able to move that deal. I'm not concerned about that at all. No, I mean, he's a really good player. And those are, even if you consider it an overpay, which I don't I don't know if I do or not. I haven't really thought about it. Probably not. But even if you do, I mean, that's the kind of player you want to overpay. That's the way the system works is you underpay everybody on their rookie deals, a lot of guys on their second deals. And at some point, if you're good, you have to pay up. That's just how it works. No team goes through, you know, being good and staying a contender and not paying anybody. I mean, I've I talked to a good deal of Cavs fans. They've started to compare it to the Tristan Thompson contract. Like, you just need to pay that guy for how important he is. I think Middleton probably more important than Tristan Thompson, but especially considering all the other stars on the Cavaliers. But I kind of get the point in that, you know, what are you going to do? Just not have him anymore? Who Who else is going to do all of the things he does? And there's no answer. That's just the way it works. And yeah, I mean, I, I mean, the Warriors pay all their guys. I mean, a lot of people would probably consider Sean Livingston and especially Andre Iguodala overpaid, but that's just the way it works. I mean, you have to pay to keep those guys. I think sometimes the sort of armchair GMing that's really swept like the NBA, especially NBA Twitter and a lot of places where people talk about the league has over-exaggerated how important it is to you know get a bargain on every contract. Because once you're at that highest level of player that just goes away you just have to pay for those guys chris middleton is one of those guys he's worth every penny based on what he's given the bucks the last it's definitely last year in the last couple of years yeah i, I mean I, I do see a lot of people saying that and their counter argument is well you don't just spend money because you because you've got that money that's not the case here but the point is the bucks are going to be right up against the cap no matter what so you why why would you let an all-star caliber player leave to sign a worse player who, yeah, you can look at the, the money difference of what Middleton will earn to Marcus Morris. Middleton is twice the player Marcus Morris is. So why are you paying $15 million or whatever it may be for a player that is much worse and your team's going to be worse? It doesn't make sense. Again, the Bucks need to need to be very careful with what they do. And just in summary, 
to what we've gone through. I think the Middleton uh, debate is, is so interesting, by the way. Uh, I think for the most part, I've been able to have pretty good debates with people on Twitter. Sometimes uh, people are just not going to agree with you and it gets a little bit you know, over the top. But for the most part, uh, it's been good discussion and I know you've been involved in it as well. But for the Bucks, you either max Chris Middleton and keep him around and try and bring the, the entire band back, which is, I think is what the Bucks are going to do, or you let Chris Middleton walk and sign a lesser player and hope uh, that you can have this, the same sort of season you did and largely be carried by Giannis and, and these other guys around him, uh, remembering that you already got Bledsoe locked up for three years, or you completely risk it all and let these guys plan to let these guys go and try and sign uh, an Alan Max guy, which is is by far the most riskiest option for mine. So they're really the the simple. If you want to put it simply, they're the options they have. Uh, but I, I think I don't know about you. I just think that this summer and this off season is all centered around what the Bucks want to do with Chris Middleton. That's where it's going to start. I don't think we'll have to wait too long to find out what the Bucks are planning on doing once the uh, free agency kicks off. I sure hope not. And one thing I just wanted to add, based on what you said about kind of bringing the the group back because I think a lot of people who I've seen especially today I saw uh, one thread that was kind of ridiculous in my opinion a lot of people just view that inherently as a negative as if it's like a lazy thing or something what is wrong with bringing the band that just won 60 games and and had a, a big lead in the Eastern Conference Finals back together I don't see the issue with doing that I think some things need to be tweaked maybe some small player additions maybe some schematic things uh, otherwise, just sort of hoping on some player improvement as well. But I don't know why anyone would want a big shakeup from this. They were the best team in the regular season by far. Through the uh, whatever it was, like uh, 11 playoff games, they were the best team in the playoffs too. They Bucks aren't going to win it all, but it looks like they're very likely going to have lost to the team that does win it all. And beyond that, a team that, as I've said before, I believe on this podcast, does not have a second superstar player. The Raptors are playing live proof that you can have one superstar, theirs is Kawhi, obviously the Bucks is Giannis, and then a really strong group of complementary players who are all on the same page, even though not, not another one of them is anywhere close to that top five stratosphere, really even top ten for the Raptors. I mean, it's one of Siakam or Lowry. Both of those guys are good players. Neither of them are... You know, teams around the league are like, we need to give up the farm just to get that guy. Maybe Siakam. I think his stock is really high. But I don't think anyone's looking at Pascal Siakam and saying he's a top 10 player right now. And I just think you you got to look at that. You got to look at how good the Bucks were and go, bringing this back might be bringing back a team that could win a title. I mean, they, the Bucks could have won a title this last year. And I know it. a lot of people don't want to hear that. It sucks to hear now that obviously they didn't. But I think when you look at the future and the prospect of bringing back largely the same core, I mean, that's a positive thing. There's no reason that this team needs to be dismantled or rebuilt for it to contend for a title. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's that's really where we're at with this Bucks team. I think sometimes it's easy to forget that this was the first year that this group played together. Uh, I think they learned a lot. Uh, I think you only have to hear what Giannis was saying after the season in terms of himself, uh, in terms of being that hunted team through the regular season. Uh, perhaps he you know, we'll, we'll be better for this loss. It certainly seems like he already learned a lot of quick lessons from uh, from the conference finals, and, and Chris Milton was the same. Lopez was the same. This, this group, uh, you know, for mine, is definitely 
a team that can contend for an NBA title. We saw proof of that. Uh, they probably missed an opportunity this year, but you know, perhaps they did need that loss in the playoffs, even though, uh, you know, obviously no one wants to hear that. Maybe they did need that loss to take that next step next season. Uh, we're going to find out what happens with all these guys, but certainly uh, the Bucks bringing all these guys back if they can for mine is an extremely positive thing, and it's going to put them in the best possible position to get back to the conference finals and hopefully go a step further in a league that there's going to be a lot of a lot of moving uh, amongst the the top guys. We don't know uh, which teams in the East are going to put put themselves in a position uh, to contend, but that stability for the Bucks is important for mine. And uh, as I said, I think it starts with Milton, and then it trickles down to to all the rest of these guys. But uh, I think this has been a pretty good one. Uh, we obviously, you know, uh, could could spend more time talking about Lopez and Middleton, two of the key uh, free agents for the Bucks. But uh, we'll be back with another episode later in the week. Ty, uh, we're going to be talking draft. I think that's what we're going to do about a week before. So we, we are likely to have a guest uh, for that one to talk pick 30 and all the options the Bucks are going to have there. Uh, so that should be a fun one. Yeah, it should. Uh, I'm learning a lot of names, probably going to mispronounce a lot of names, but it'll be good to get a little bit of a glimpse at who the Bucks could uh, select if they choose to use that pick and not just deal it you know, on, on draft day. But yeah, it should be uh, fun to see a, a fresh new face who can end up maybe even in my neck of the woods in, uh, in the G League here in Oshkosh next season. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that might be the case. If the Bucks are as good as they think they're going to be and they take the pick. But uh I think we can wrap it up there. And as I said, we'll be back in a few days. But thanks for listening. And I'm sure we'll get plenty of feedback on this episode, certainly around the Chris Middleton stuff. And if you do think that there is a better plan than, than, than what we discussed today and you think uh, that you know what the Bucks should do regarding Chris Middleton and, and who should they, who they should sign instead of Chris, then uh, hit us up and feel free, feel free uh, to let us know what you think. But uh, Ty, thanks for, thanks for joining me again. Anytime, Kane. It's always a pleasure. Definitely tweet at us at MKE Bucks Aus and at Ty Windish. And you know what? I will grade anyone's offseason plan they want to send to me. I will quote tweet it with a grade. Even if it stinks, I might get inventive with some of my grades. We might get all the way down to Z, depending on the kind of things people tweet at me. We'll see. But do that. Please continue listening, supporting the podcast. We really appreciate it. Uh, listen, subscribe, rate, review, share, tell your friends, etc. And yeah, we'll be back later this week. Thank you, Kane, and thank you everyone for listening.